So today I'm joined with Alicia Gore and Jasneeth Gore. I'm going to hand it over to them to introduce themselves and their Sikhi journeys. Hi, I'm Alicia. Um, I study law at Manchester Metropolitan. Um, I'm currently in final year, but I'm also the co-president for Manchester Sikhsal. Um, I'm currently looking into getting a legal job and then hopefully becoming a um, going into a training contract that surrounds human rights. Um, and hopefully I can help someone else out there as part of my table. Hi, my name's Justneeth. Um, I am studying at Imperial College London. I'm studying a master's within the physics department. I am the president of Imperial Sikh Society as well. And in terms of future progression, I'm looking to start my own company within kind of the physics domain. Um, and with regards to my Sikhi kind of experience, I have to admit I wasn't that religious growing up, um, though my mum was quite religious and she kind of made me go to Punjabi school and Punjabi classes, etc. Nothing really sunk in until I took an active interest myself in understanding kind of the teachings of our gurus and understanding what Sikhism really is. And I think that really that first exposure happened kind of when I was, I think it was second or third year of my BSc. So it was kind of three years ago. Um, as always, I feel when something in your life goes wrong, you look towards God to guide you and to give you support. And that's exactly what I did. Not saying that we should only go to him when we are struggling, but you know, we should also be thankful for everything that he's given us. Um, since then, my journey has really progressed. And that is kind of why I took an active role in Sikh society this year, because I wanted to help other people kind of really solidify their beliefs and solidify their religion um, the way I have because I've just seen kind of a massive improvement not only within myself and how spiritual I am but kind of with how accepting I am and I just feel that I would I wanted to help other people um, enhance their journey. Yeah I feel like my spiritual journey began when I came to university. When I was younger my um, nana and nanny were very um, very involved in the Gurdwara and I got to see it around me um, but I never really fully absorbed the meaning and I was just like oh this is part of my lifestyle this is okay um, but coming to university um, and being in a group around me that's the same age and has the same beliefs and ideals around me I was able to really understand what was going on um, still I'm in my journey I still have a lot to learn, I still have a lot to go, but um, I really believe that Manchester Sikhs have really helped me develop further into this new world that I never really took in before, being the word. It's good because I've, I've spoken before previously as well about how we don't have a Sikh society. So what do both your Sikh societies do um, and how do you help other people? So in terms of Imperial, we try to empower other people. We try to, and the same with Manchester, of course, um, we try to hold events that are based around spirituality, but also politics, because we are Miri and we are Piri, right? We need to, we kind of sometimes forget that we're sovereign beings as well. Um, we also try to hold workshops and we try to always just be there for other people. You know, if they're going through something, they can always reach out to us. We have workshops on self-awareness, self-healing, um, on how to get rid of trauma, um, because as much as it is learning about our history and learning about our religion, we also need to ensure that the people within the bunts currently are mentally okay and are spiritually okay. Yeah, we very much reflect the same things. In terms of before um, COVID came, we did events on a large scale like Homeless Drive, Lunger on Campus, um, Geethan on Campus, and it was just a way of 
getting our wider message out and teaching because obviously we're such a small minority on campus we were just like this is a good way for us to teach people who we are and they can learn and see what we actually do because I feel like a lot of people don't really understand Sikki so um, we spend like an entire day just at the actual academy and we just tell them this is Sikki and answer any questions they have um, and we serve longer as well which is a really nice experience as well. I think, I think that's great I just like to touch upon that point where I think Imperial we're more into giving talks and giving lectures um, because those are the kind of people that we attract the people who are willing to listen but I think what you guys do is great where you actually implement the teachings of our gurus who serve our through um, other selfless service and I think it's great to always implement the teachings rather than to just teach because I feel like you do learn more through implementation and through actually carrying out the deeds. Yeah I feel like because we're such a big society as well um, in terms of the amount of people we get so like longer on campus we usually get about 30, 40 people helping out in themselves for Save Our Lives, and they're all students. Um, but 30, 40 people at a talk, that could be sometimes, especially at the beginning of the year, you get that quite frequently. Unfortunately, this year it's been an anomaly and we've not really been able to have the same amount, but that's just because people don't want to experience Sikh society through a screen because they're so used to having that environment physically where they can go and seek support. Um, and I know especially like even I felt that difference this year because Sikh Society for, for me every week was somewhere where I went and it was like a safe haven for me but and I always say to like my English friends I was like yeah I have to go there on Tuesday they're like why am I like, oh it's like my reset for the week that's my Sunday that's where I go and I'm like okay new new week I've done what I needed to do because it was the one constant I always had at uni and I was like I'd always go and see the same people those same people and it was going home, kind of, that's what we call it. It's like a home away from home. Yeah, we really tried to establish that in Manchester because we all we all know we're in the same position and we want to help everyone around us who aren't as strong as the other. Mm. No, I love that. It just shows the importance of Sangat as well, how beneficial it is to have nice Sangat around you, but also to be able to practice Sikhi in such a way that helps you and helps other people. I think it, what both of your unis do in terms of your Sikh societies, I think it's really good. And I think both are like equally just as good forms of Seva. So, I mean, well done to both of you for doing that. And obviously it shows other people as well that there are places that they can get involved with Sikhi and other ways, other than just going to the Godwara. There's there's other things that can be done. Um, so, I mean, definitely if anyone's listening to this and they want to get involved in things like this, hopefully they can reach out to, to both of you but I want to go into the topic of today because I thought it was quite interesting now this is something that I've touched on previously in in podcasts but never really gone in depth into this topic because it's kind of a touch and go topic and I wanted to wait until I had two people that I feel like would kind of attack this topic in a very beneficial and appropriate manner and it's culture versus religion now what is culture and what is religion so I can just give a brief death a minute definition and then Alicia feel free to expand um culture is basically the ideal custom and social behavior I guess of a particular set of people or a particular society in this case we're talking about I guess a Punjabi culture whereas religion is the belief and worship of a superhuman controlling power especially a personal god so and for us we believe in the teachings of Guru Nanak Dev and the other gurus yeah that's completely it um especially from 
when you look at it as from a legal point of view, that's how you would absorb it. Um, a culture is very much in a small town, a big town. Everyone always thinks that a culture is just to do with a nation. So when they look at India, they're like, oh, Indian culture, when very much in India, there's many types of cultures. You've got Punjabi, you've got people in like Tamil people, Madrasian, but even within Punjabi, you've got different types of cultures sometimes um, when you look to it very closely. And I think culture is also very much your family as well. So your family beliefs will differ to the next families. Um, Cause it's just, it's very much like upbringing and people believe it to be rules, but it isn't very much rules. It's just trends mm. um, due to like certain beliefs that you will follow. Some people argue it is stemmed from religion, but we can go further into that later on. Yeah, of course. No, so let's start with just culture then. Let's kind of look into that a little bit more further. In, in terms of like a family having a culture, there's so many benefits to that. There's also so many drawbacks to having a culture. So let's look at that for a start. And and I mean, specifically here, we can talk about Punjabi culture, but we can also um, go into other cultures as well. So what what is the benefit of us keeping our culture? You know, I really love our culture. I feel we have so many pros. You know, we have Bhangra, we wear Fulgaris, etc. Um, I really do enjoy that aspect. You know, it's very colourful. It's it's very true to Punjab. Um, however, I feel the cons, and especially the biggest con I feel that we have is the caste system, and that some people still adhere to it. You know, especially with Jut this Jut that you have a lot of Punjabi music that glorifies castes, glorifies Juts, and um, I feel we need to adhere more to the teachings of our gurus and this doesn't mean that I'm a perfect Sikh right because everyone has flaws but we just need to be aware that these are flaws and we need to actively try to mitigate them um, I feel that we need to go back to the teachings of our gurus and we need to really understand um, what they said and what they meant and also why they said what they said you know um, the caste system I feel just needs to be abolished, you know, because we can't treat people differently. We can't treat people like second or third class citizens just because of their surname or just because of, you know, a specific area that they originate from. In terms of culture, I also love our Punjabi culture. So when I was younger, I was very, very, very British is what how I would explain it. Like, I didn't really absorb a culture. Punjabi music, no, I would never listen to that. I did watch a lot of Bollywood movies, I'm not going to lie, that was my guilty pleasure, but yeah. as, I got, as I got older, I was sat there and I was like, why am I building this wall up between my two identities? At home, I'm completely different to the person I am outside, and I was like, there's no point in me doing that because that's a, in a battle for me when really I should just accept who I am, and it took a long time, and it was until I came to university when I was a bit like, forget that. I'm going to do what I want to do and if people can't accept who I am and don't accept my practices then that person shouldn't really be there because they're just toxic for me mm. um, and it really took a while to learn how to do that because I think especially living in Britain as an Indian girl with like a, or an Indian boy you sat there and you think well my friend when you especially when you're like six years old for example and you're at school and you sat there and you're like with your lunchbox and you're like oh um mom should have put why did mom not pack me like a broth or something you're like oh I have to have a sandwich because 
that girl there or that boy there's going to then say something about how I brought a different food in and it's like what practices are allowed what can I bring into Britain that will be accepted but really why should we have to be accepted at the end of the day it's just a normal daily lifestyle for us. I also feel like when you try to adhere to your culture when you try to figure out more about your culture you get called fresh you know or you get (laughs) you just you just get called really you just get called words that really aren't correct you know like I've had people when I was like six seven years old I used to have like two goods right two ponytails and my mom always used to oil my hair and I used to go to school and people used to say oh why is there so much oil in your hair why is your hair so long yeah like why do you have blonde hair right where's your sandwich like why are you so fresh right and I feel just those kind of reminders or you know people just saying that kind of stuff to you really well it put me off wanting to learn more about my culture because I was seen as an outsider or I was seen as someone who wouldn't like who wasn't gonna fit in and I lived in Leeds for a couple years of my life and Leeds back like 10-15 years ago was more racist you know so I used to get like bullied I used to get picked on a lot and I just feel for comfort you know and to not have such a political stance I used to adhere to kind of like the gore bringing in you know the sandwiches with the cucumbers and the butter and all that stuff just because I didn't (laughs) want the fight and I didn't want because I didn't understand right I didn't understand why I was seen as different because going home that's all I used to know all I used to know was like dal makundi roti sabjis all of that stuff so I didn't I never knew how to stand up for myself or how to explain to them that you know this is all normal to us and just because there are some differences that doesn't mean that they're bad and that I should be called fresh but I think that just leads me back on to what I was saying about we need more understanding of why we do things and why we've done things previously in history. We've spoken I think you mentioned the caste system but along with the caste system there's so many different other factors that play within culture so if we're looking at alcoholism as well if we're talking about Punjabi culture and how drinking is glorified um again that's a part of the culture that also brings across so many different disadvantages it can be argued that culture is a good thing it can also be argued that culture is a bad thing I think it's trying to find that balance between culture sorry the negative culture and the kind of positive culture would you agree yeah I think as well a lot of people confuse the two elements they confuse religion with culture so fair enough like everyone should do what they like sing a song about what you want to sing a song about but remember what the connotations of that song is especially even if you look at rap music like obviously the n-word that um is got so many connotations to it and and so much meaning but if someone meaning like just puts it in there to put it in there because it's cool and it's the trend and everyone should listen to it and they think this will get me a few more listeners fair like but it's, it's not fair sorry it's not fair it's more just understand what you're doing and it's same with Punjabi music like you're saying jack this or you're saying you're belittling other people without understanding what that person's going through like you're not putting yourself in their shoes and sympathizing with their experiences yeah I definitely agree and I also feel people like us and you know predominantly a lot of people kind of within the UK we have that understanding of um, there shouldn't be a caste system and you know it doesn't matter if you're a Jat or a Rajput or you know TK or whatever but I feel back in India where the caste system is more adhered to 
they will take songs and things that glorify just literally you know just because there's lack of critical thinking or there's lack of just thinking in general there's lack of um, a good education system whatever it may be I'm, I'm not sure right but they will take what we what is said in songs etc literally and they will apply that you know and that is why um, for example there are so many rape cases of people from a lower caste there are just so many injustices um, that happen to people of lower castes and it's because of this glorified mentality that the higher up your caste is the somehow better you are and the somehow superhuman you are and that's just very far from the truth. Alicia you spoke briefly about identity and how culture can sort of be a part of your identity but where do we draw that line because like we've just said there's so many cons to being um, so invested in our culture. Okay so for me my culture and maybe other people too my culture is my upbringing so when I think of my family I think of like like my um British friends always say to me they're like oh you're so close to your family your family's so big how do you acknowledge that like oh you've got another wedding this weekend like what but it's not that it's more just in my family especially I've been raised in a very extended family that treats each other as siblings as like in terms of cousins my cousins can go further down the line but everyone is the same family because that's what my nana nanny taught me and so I have my bibi baba but in terms of how far it should go it just depends on like you as a person very much you should have your own experiences which aren't linked to culture which will break bring your own personality in, in terms of like your university experience, even our Brit our experience with being British, that will also come in terms of it. So you will have a mixture, but you shouldn't also just rely on your culture in terms of building your own personality. Because if you do that, you're just gonna become a robot essentially. And you'll just be like, oh, I have to listen to this song because that's culture. I have to listen to that because that's culture you're just going to be following the next trend. You're not going to be sat there and you're not going to be unique to yourself and think, no, what is it that I actually enjoy? I don't know really how to go on from that. I think you've raised some very good points. Um, it's good in terms of culture. It's always good to look at what your friends are doing or what your family are doing. But ultimately, it's also down to you to think, you know, are these the teachings that I want to implement on myself? So I know... Um, thankfully my family aren't like this but I know in lots of kind of Punjabi households there's a lot of jealousy and there's a lot of kind of hatred and I, that's not really culture um, but it's just an example of you know your family thinking one way and are you going to therefore think that way so I really agree with Alicia's points of just because you're surrounded with culture um, or certain aspects of culture it's really up to you to decide what mm. bits want to stick with because otherwise you're going to become like Alicia said a programmed robot who's just going to have to agree with things for the sake of things so critical thinking as I've mentioned before is very very important. I agree I think culture is definitely what you make of it um, and I think you can definitely you know for yourself pick and choose what bits are good and what what's not. So you know we've discussed about culture now let's talk a little bit more about religion and how uh, religion has been a part of our upbringing because we've looked at how cultures kind of change things if we're talking in terms of the caste system and toxic masculinity and that side of, of things and alcoholism but how has religion impacted your, your upbringings or how can it impact other people's upbringing? 
So for me, um, I don't know if I'm, I don't know how religious I am. I'd like to say I'm a bit, I, I am religious, but um, I'm not as educated on this topic. So forgive me if I do say anything wrong. Um, for me, our, my journey into religion really stemmed from just going to the Gurdwara. I used to go with my mom, um, but as I was mentioning before, I never really understood the significance or the importance, but it was just when I was facing turbulent times and um, when I'd go to the Gurdwara, I just feel so much sukoon and so much peace and just relaxation, you know, and it really just energized me and it made me so courageous, just, you know, listening to um, the part or, you know, just being present during our das really helped. Um, and then I started to get into our religion more by understanding our history. And this is a really important point that I'd like to touch on. It's that our history is just so rich of just like such such power and such sheer strength, you know, and such sheer determination um, that whenever I listen to our history or I read or, on our history or I look back at our gurus, it's just so empowering to know that, you know, there were people 500 however many years ago who were really standing up for what they believe in and that they were challenging so many norms you know with the Mughal empire which was I think the most powerful empire you know and like Guru Nanak Dev Ji etc really took them on and really challenged them because they Guru Nanak Dev Ji and just everyone who abided by Sikhism wanted to make the world I'd like to say a better place because in my opinion that is what they did um, and therefore that empowers me and I want to emulate those kinds of qualities that they have so for me religion as much as it is about being a decent person and being kind of sovereign and being political it's it's also very it's a very empowering aspect of my life and it's probably it, it, it is thanks to religion that I am where I am today and even though I've got a long way to go it is because of religion that I am as strong and I am as resilient as I am now. Like I really do feel I wouldn't be at Imperial if it wasn't for my determination that I get from the teachings of our gurus. I think I'm gonna beat myself out here in terms of my experience with Sikhi because, um, so if any of the Manchester lot are hearing this from when I was in first year and they were there, we had a talk of what is Sikhi. And um, this was like my first ever talk in Manchester Sikh Sark, like in terms of being an attendee. Um, so I was like, oh, just don't say anything out of the ordinary, Alicia, keep it cool. These people, <laughs> you wanna be friends with these people, like don't be too rash. And um, we were all talking and everything. And then the speaker, he was from Leeds. I can't remember, oh, it was Bradford. He was such a good, nice guy and he turns to me and I was explaining something to him. And then he goes, I'm sorry, Benji, but I just have a question for you and I was like oh what's the question and he was like oh do you believe in God I tell you when I, have, <laughs> I sat there and I had like 30 people staring at me in this one moment and I was like oh no and at that point I didn't and I was okay. like okay so I had to sit there and I was like no I do not know why these people accepted me in the society <laughs> I was sat there and I completely just went, no, I don't believe in God right now. And I just went, but that's my personal journey. Previously, I did believe in God and I was very much, but I had my own experiences and my own path. And then I blamed the higher being for some situations that happened to me, which I think was just a reflex in terms of an excuse for what was going on. But 
over the past few years, I think especially since my nanny passed, I really found solace in the higher being. And I was like, no, there is something out there that is protecting us. And especially over the past year, I've really tried, I've really found the connection again. I'm still very much like on the border, let's say, but it's very much like, for me and Siki, the reason why I never left it behind was it is the teachings, it is the seva, it is, when you listen to it, you're sat there and you're like, they're not telling you, they're just, they're not dictating what you should do, they're giving you the option to learn and just to be like, this is how your life could be if you just followed it. It can be simple, it can be a lot more blissful and just happy. And I really needed that, especially during university when the stress is around you and, and obviously I'm human as well I'm very much still on my path I don't count myself as religious as well yet because I sit there and I think I don't follow the way other people do mm. but um in terms of when I'm at the Godra, I respect what's around me and I absorb and I'm still learning and for me I'm I sit there and I think I can't say I'm religious until I'm at that point where I feel like I'm very confident and know that I have absolved and I know confidently and I can say, yeah, I am religious because I can tell you I follow this in Sitki because it is said here and it's this. I'm not at that point yet. Um, I want you both to, I'm going to cut you off there just briefly, just because I want to say you've both said um, you're not religious or you're not sure how religious you are. From a fellow Benji who is still on this path and is still learning every day no like despite my platform and what I do and how much information I share about Sikhi the whole religious debate I want you both to like remove it from your lives right because we're all on this same path and this same journey to our one destination which is Guru Sahib's feet and you can no one's more religious than anyone else everyone's got their own flaws when it comes to religion you know you could be talking to someone that is considered the most religious person in Sikhi but they will always have something within them that they want to improve so from a Benji that has seen like both of you and the way that you're talking about Sikhi I consider both of you as religious as anyone else who would you know equally think that they are religious or be a lot more religious and have a lot more knowledge you know this path is shared between all of us so don't ever put yourselves down by saying you're not religious or anything because I think you're both doing an, an incredible job at being uh you know one with this journey so continue I'll let you speak thank you uh, yeah thank you I think that's pretty much it for my point but yeah it's very much just where you are in your time and I also want to thank Manchester for still letting me come to events after that one talk <laughs> <laughs> I do apologize sincerely for making everyone feel awkward in what I said <laughs> I think everyone has their own journey into Sikhi you know everyone starts somewhere whether it's something's gone wrong in life and you're trying to find something to turn to or or sometimes people just find it um, out of nowhere and it just it hits them and I think it's interesting that you say that because a lot of the time people will turn to things that are not considered good for them when something wrong happens. For example, drinking, which in our culture is a massive problem. Um, also turning to, you know, the whole toxic masculinity that I touched on earlier, how men are not meant to feel upset in Punjabi culture. Like you're, you're the man, you're the man and the family, you know, Banda Banja, like as everyone says. Um, and I think it's interesting that you've taken your trauma and you've turned 
too sicky but we can also see how culture can be very bad a very bad thing to turn to because you can turn to alcohol and okay it will make you happy temporarily but it won't make you happy for the rest of your life you know that that happiness is is temporary so I just wanted to touch upon understanding our religion um and in order to understand our religion we need to understand our history however I feel the only history that we're really taught are kind of folk tales and spirituality in terms of Sikhi um but we don't really talk about where the stories are derived from so like the hardships that our gurus faced or you know the injustices that we faced um so I feel that the knowledge and the understanding that we have it is available and we can grasp it but there is no knowledge of the stories behind the folk tales if that makes sense um so I feel it's it's that we lack understanding of the guru's path that it's always spiritual but it's never really political and that may be because there's like a trauma associated with the political side of Sikhi right as we've seen in kind of 1984 um as we've seen in Blue Star etc so I just wanted to touch upon the fact that Sikhi we're Miri and Piri right we are sovereign political and kind of spiritual and that I feel we need to touch upon we're really good in touching upon spirituality like that's amazing but we also need to touch upon being political and we cannot be scared of the fact that we are political and we do need to make a stand for ourselves I feel especially culture today it's very um you know if you raise a point or if you're political it's seen as you being rude or it's seen as you kind of just being hateful um and that's not the case right sometimes you need to be truthful you need to be blunt for things to grow and for people to progress right whereas if you're just always fixated in this one mindset of everyone's right everyone's correct you know let's not challenge anyone's thinking let's not expand anyone's thinking you're never really going to progress it's always and it's only through hardships that people do learn and people do implement you know if you're in your comfort zone you're not going to want to expand and you're not going to want to learn um so I feel yeah just to go back to the main point in order to understand religion we need to understand both the political and the spiritual side so you just spoke about um, how like everyone will have the same idea if you don't have culture. That um, as a law point goes back to cultural relativism. So in that it's very much the, when you apply legal statues and like cases and everything to things, you, in terms of universal, you have to think very much and respect those around you and think that this group will have a different practice to this group but you don't want to change the groups because then you're changing their identity mm-hmm. so I think that's the issue that people have right now is they're saying that the east is very different to the west so our west ideas are very modern and progressive but the east is just staying still but when you're saying they're staying still they're not staying still because they don't want to progress they, their issue is they're trying to find the balance between their culture and progression and becoming modern obviously there is some very very dark um, aspects of our culture that we need to remove in terms of rape forced marriages things like that they need to go but and like police brutality all that needs to go but when it comes to removing it how can you also respect the culture around it if you understand what I'm trying to say would you argue that culture needs to be eradicated as a whole no no 
no, not where, where do we find the balance between the good and the bad? Because we can easily say, you know, um, culture's good to this extent, but then, you know, there's also these bad things. How, how can people that may not have the knowledge because there's no knowledge out there, like, like you said, or people are not as vocal on it, how can we attack a situation as such where people are just in, in a, a confused situation where they're, they're just in the middle of both? I think, like, you know, the Gordwara especially, you know, when you hear Auntie Anne, they're just talking about, you know, those Auntie Anne sometimes that are there just to gossip, and they're sat there and they're like, oh, um, that person over there, they're becoming so whitewashed, they're forgetting their values, they're forgetting their teachings, they're just becoming another British person, they're forgetting who they actually are, where they stem from. And when you hear it, you feel insulted because you're a bit like, oh, they're attacking me. But I think there's also a bit of fear behind them mm. because it's fear of what is going to lose. And over the next generations, they may believe that our culture will just eradicate over here and the East will just become like the West and it'll all just become British, which will go back a little bit to the British Empire and when it overtook, essentially. Mm. And with globalization right now the west is very advanced but we also forget that without the east and without their advancements we would have been here where we are now in terms of technology and things um but i think we're very quick to just say okay we need to progress let's just do it yeah. but and then and forget about everything around us whereas we need to be like no let's look at our environment <clears throat> sorry let's respect what is around us and let's see what we should take forward. Yeah. And it is also respecting our elders and respecting the teachers. Because those teachings are there for a reason. We may not know, and it goes back to the evidence behind the folk stories, but there's a reason why those teachings have been brought down to us. What, what, unfortunately, we'll never know why they've been brought down to us, but we should still respect that our gen the generation above us have been through these things, and they've said mm -hmm. these things... To, to deal with those events that they've and experiences they've been through yeah I very much agree with everything Alicia said um I feel that we do need to first analyze the situation around us right we need to analyze our culture and our religion um because there are especially with culture there are a lot of positives but there are also some negatives and I don't think eradicating I think that's too extreme so we can't eradicate our culture entirely um because people are always going to have these different ideologies, right? Like we are all different. We all have different ways of thinking. So even as much as we may try to eradicate culture, not saying that that is what should happen, but hypothetically speaking, if it does happen, there's always going to be people, there's going to be minorities that just A, don't like being oppressed, but B, don't understand why it needs to be eradicated. So therefore I feel we just need to further educate. And Alicia brought up a good point when she mentioned the Gudwara. I feel Gudwara are a great place where you can educate people because most Sikhs do attend the Gudwara. Um, and despite every Gudwara having its own internal politics, if we somehow just create cohesion, with all the Gurdwara and all kind of the Sikh Sangat and just aim to release one narrative. I get the fact that people are different and people have different thoughts and different concepts, but if the narrative is just to be righteous and just to be united, you know, I care more about the overall focus than how people actually manage to get there, right? Because some someone might say, okay, to be united means to support each other. Another person might say to be united 
is to I don't know like help your family members right so I don't really I'm not too fast on how we get to the unity as long as we actually end up getting there if that makes some sort of sense in terms of like cohesion it kind of goes back to like you know we have the right Maria uh, that mm-hmm. was um, established in 1945 <laughs> so that's like our code of conduct isn't it so some people are arguing that that is quite dated so realistically people have been saying recent like very recently people are like oh should we modernize it should we bring it into like the current day so it reflects the current day's practices and values which obviously would be a very very help like very very big task to do but is it a type of method that could be approached because it'd be accepted by everyone I was just going to say, I feel, you know how you mentioned that previously we have been, like, the reasons why our teachings have come down to us are for a specific reason, right? And we may never know it. I feel if we try to integrate too much of the current climate and, so to speak, the quote-unquote westernization and, like, kind of, like, the modern version of secure the modern version of our culture, I feel we will lose those teachings of our forefathers and our ancestors. Um so I, I don't know how much I'd like for it to be rewritten, um, but I also, I can see why people may think it's outdated, but you know, religion is in some sense supposed to be outdated for a reason. It's supposed to, in some sense, it's just supposed to be like a moral compass or something that guides you back to what you basically should and shouldn't really be doing, um, but in a kind of softer version and just touching back on the point that you know we, we I think we need to distinguish what we get told from our elders into what is trauma for them and what isn't trauma so for example um most of our elders well a lot of our elders don't like being political right I think we've kind of realized that in the past few months and it's been kind of more the youth that have been leading events such as the Mortra etc etc um, we need to make it clear what is a trauma bond, uh, what trauma bonds we're being taught from our elders. And we just need to ensure that we don't then pass on these teachings to other people. I don't know where I was going with that, but I just wanted to say that. No, it makes sense what you're saying. Um, I was just going to say there's the, the thing with this argument, right? It's it's difficult because there's always going to be trauma. If we're looking at it right now, so, you know, our elders had gone through 84. And obviously, if we're looking even further back, there were other issues as well. There are other points at which there was a lot of sick oppression. There was a lot of um, things going on where Sikhs were being killed, innocent Sikhs were being killed. If we look at uh, Sakhan and Ghana side, right? Now, Today, in today's day and age, that, that issue hasn't gone. We're looking at the Kassan Moja right now and we're looking at what's happening. We're going to grow up with that trauma or, uh, you know, that trauma is still going to exist. So is this a problem that we need to solve now? Because it's very well and, you know, easy to say, you know, we need to be more vocal, we need to, but how, how do we go about being more vocal when we see that every time we are vocal about it, that it's a problem because... You know, we if we're looking at Nadeep Gaur, who was, you know, put in in jail um, for talking about what's going on with the Kazans, when there's problems like that, how how can we approach trying to remove the whole trauma? Um, you know, the the lack of knowledge because no one's kind of talking that side of things. 
But I think the other thing is as well, people will, so what's happening right now with um, everything that's going on with Nodi, Cora and other females around the world, let's just take, for example, for um, in terms of female discrimination and rape, the issue is the legislation and the police sector and the state control of India. That is the issue that's going on there. But I think a lot of people are finding it very easy to blame the cultural aspect of India, when really it's not the cultural aspect, it is the framework and the structural rules that is set in place. They are so very masculine based because they've been written by a masculine, like by men, that they don't take into account women's rights as much, if that's what I'm saying, if you understand. Mm -hmm. So it's very much just legal framework is what needs to be reformed, but it's how can we as British go into India and say, you need to change this and you need to change this in order for this to happen? Because they'll say, no, you're not an Indian citizen. You shouldn't, you don't have any right in coming here and saying this and attacking our own constitution when you have your own problems in Britain. So it's very much, how can we help those in India to take that first step? Because it does go back down to education again. And we are very, very blessed to have such an advanced education where we can alter and change. And mm. we can make these big ideas and try and put them into practice. But unfortunately in India, the people who have these big ideas have not got the resources that we have. So I think it is very much of how can we sat here help those over there without like stepping over the line essentially. Yeah I feel touching upon the fact that we aren't in India has its negatives definitely in the sense that you know people are going to say to us well we have no right in speaking up because we aren't in India but there's actually a lot of positives that also come from the fact that we aren't in India you know the Nodeep Kaur case for instance is very unlikely to happen to someone from Britain or someone from Canada who wants to raise their voices and I think we need to focus on the positives we need to focus on the fact that you know we can do more in terms of raising our voices and being more vocal than people in India can um, just because of the way the government is kind of laid out and therefore we almost have a duty and it's not even that we almost have a duty, we do have a duty, you know, as human beings, but also as six, as people of the bunt, we have a duty to raise our voices and we have a duty to just create more awareness, put more international pressure on the Indian government, but also our own governments, our own MPs. Um, so there definitely are some benefits of not being within India. We also just need to focus on the positives in a grand scale of things. I know previously, Benji, you were talking about how, um, every time we try to make a change, something bad happens, people get arrested, you know, we try to get silenced. There's the Sikh hashtag that's being removed on platforms such as Instagram. Um, but we also need to look at the positives, right? We need to see that our MPs have signed letters, you know, um, Tan their side, uh, he's gone kind of to parliament to raise um, awareness on the plight of our farmers. So I think by shifting our focus from the negatives and by always thinking that, oh no, we're the victims, you know, once again, something has happened, something bad has happened. We need to prepare ourselves, but we also need to focus more on the positives because never before has it been that we can live stream events from the Morja in Delhi, you know, 
to places like Canada, to places like the US, to places like um, the UK. And we need to build upon our strengths instead of looking at our weaknesses, because, you know, there will always be a lot of weaknesses. There's always going to be a lot of flaws. There's always going to be a lot of things that we can do better, but we need to implement ourselves um, by focusing on the positives and by trying to make a change, you know, because when you're in that mindset of, oh, there's nothing I can do, you know, we're getting censored, etc., then we probably aren't going to do a lot. But when we feel empowered, when we feel courageous, and it goes back to, you know, reading um, scriptures of Sikhi and just being proactive, um, that is when we will be able to make most change. I think when it comes to a movement as well, you will feel disheartened at times because you feel like there is no outcome that is getting reached. But it is a it is a very long time until you get the result that you want and it is to do with courage and dedication and the more effort and time you put into it the more of an outcome you'll get and that's with everything in life but i think especially elders right now they seem they even say it they're sensing a change in terms of what's happening and they very much believe that through us as well because they can see that we are willingly taking an interest now in our Sikhi and in our culture that we're wanting to know more about, for example, the farmers, we want to know more about our heritage. And they, they sit there and they think, our young people now are the ones that are gonna take this further. They are the ones that are gonna make this movement happen because they have that dedication, they have that willpower. Because even our elders, they are filled, they're filled with courage, but they're thinking, okay, we have got the courage, we've got the manpower, but, the younger people, because let's say, stereotypically, we've been the ones that have been educated with everyone that came over. So we're the next generation down. We're the people that will push it further. We will be the ones that think of things that no one else could think about. We can go in an intellectual way rather than just thinking, let's go all arms, at, um, let's all go blazing out and let's just fight to that point and let's just get what we need no not fight because we're doing a peaceful protest but let's just sit there and just wait for something to happen whereas we can put something into place we can say let's get this person involved let's get this person involved let's come to a compromise let's talk about it and I think especially now through COVID we've seen that communication is a massive element in terms of our lifestyle the more that we communicate with each other, the more of an outcome we will get. And there is always a compromise there. There is always a mutual benefit for each party if we find that benefit. Definitely, definitely. And I think it instills to our elders, it instills a kind of, like they feel proud of us, you know, and they feel like they might not have long left on this world, right? But at least they know that the corn is safe to a certain extent in our hands you know like obviously there's a lot more that we can do but just by seeing the fact that we are so involved in kind of our funds then we just we we are so vocal that is very reassuring to them and you know that's the least that they deserve after everything they've been through you know 1947 1984 now at least they can be in peace thinking that they've seen what an impact the Norjawan fund has um, and I think it's also great to strengthen 
ourselves by being in contact like Alicia and I uh, we didn't know each other a couple months ago and now here we are you know doing podcasts together we stay in touch frequently as do kind of like the presidents from Nottingham um, Sikh Society and it's just all I'm saying guys is Jasmine sent me a Valentine's message and I was absolutely buzzing that day (laughs) (laughs) but it's just nice right to have that kind of support around and to have that kind of friendship right where you really do understand each other on a deep level on a spiritual and religious level it just means so much to me um so yeah I'm fangirling over you right now with you. <laughs> I do that every day don't worry for you Jess <laughs> but yeah, just it proves that it has been a very very dark year for everyone we have felt so isolated and alone but some people have really took this opportunity to look outside their own bubble and see that there is a world like I always say to my friends at university I'm like because obviously I'm graduating this year and there is that fear of we're going into this big world that I'm going to get lost left behind I'm going to be left alone in that corner but it's very much we've been in two bubbles all our lives we've been in the bubble of family and then we've been in the bubble of university if you've moved away then there's that massive world out there we've got all this opportunity to do what we want to do the world's at our feet to make it how we want to make it and especially for me the past year I've really seen how that world could be used for my benefit and I can make a change if I tried so like for me in the past year I've had a look around me and I felt okay I can make a change it might be small but it's something that will be left behind by me and everyone can say that's Alicia, Alicia's done that even if it's like a little tiny journal article or a, po- a podcast it's still something that will be left behind as my trace yeah it's your legacy isn't it yeah that's a nice word to use legacy. So looking at like what you both do now, because like that was a really good conversation, by the way, but looking at what you both do in terms of society and stuff, even if there's people outside of society, what can they do? Because there has to be a way to now approach it, because it seems like we know that there's an issue and we know we need to be more vocal about it. But there is always going to be that fear instilled within our gorm and our, our, like, within the sangat because once we talk there's a problem like we mentioned pr- like prior to this but there has to be like a way that we can approach the issue because if we keep saying you know we need to approach it that's all fair and well like we need we do need to approach it and I've seen over you know the year being you know on having this platform I've seen conversation like you guys said you know you keep in touch and I've you know with my just get above I've been able to meet other people within the bunt and have conversation with them and talk to them and, and speak to them be vocal about these things and learn a lot more but you know looking at the generations to come what can they do because the other problem is that we feel as though living in in Britain uh our culture our religion it's not talked about that much I didn't I didn't really have um sicky re lessons I, I probably had like the one uh once in a blue moon so how can we now approach that situation um I think people are always scared of the unknown right like that's a common phrase and therefore to mitigate people being afraid of speaking up we need to have conversations in groups in like panthic groups or just seek groups in general where we talk about you know what is the worst case scenario that could happen we just educate people on what's going on and what was to happen if we spoke up because a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions um, with regards to what is going to happen if they take a more political stance or if they take a more active role and we just need to break down those barriers you know and these 
these things that people might be thinking, you know, going to jail, it, it may seem far-fetched for people in Britain, right? But we've seen it happen for people in India. So I think it's just knowing our, the policies of, you know, whatever country we're in, knowing kind of what we can do to prepare ourselves for worst case eventualities. Like you saw the three things were going to get extradited. Um, I haven't been following that case, so I'm not sure what's really gone on, but we just need to be aware of what our rights are and therefore we will know, we'll feel more empowered and we will know how much we can say to what extent we can say and what the repercussions are. Because, you know, living in Britain, the likelihood of something bad happening to us for raising our voices and for being aware, you know, in a democracy is, it's very unlikely that something bad is going to happen. We just need to now instill that into other people. Um, and with regards to RE lessons, we need to have more teachers who are sick um, because even though the curriculum is abided by all schools, um, I think there was something about the curriculum has to be taught and certain aspects has to be have to be taught, but it doesn't matter in what way you teach them. So, for example, if there are Sikh teachers who know more about Sikhi, they are more than free and they are allowed to ingrain more Sikhi into their teachings and into their practices and into their lessons. That could be a way to increase knowledge of Sikhism and any other minority religion. Yeah, I agree with the school point as well, because I remember when I was back in school, I don't know for you two, but it was a six week course on Sikhism um, when I was in primary school. And it was the most, my French teacher taught me about Sikhi and she wasn't Sikhi herself. <laughs> and I was a bit like, okay. And I, was, and I remember she got me to answer a question about Sikhi because she didn't know herself. And I was a bit like, well, you're not teaching me about Sikhi here. I'm teaching you, which isn't, which is fine, but it's not fine in terms of the wider, like the wider group here. They're going to look to you for the answers, but you're not giving them the answers. So whether that's like what Jasa said about we have someone that is Sikhi comes in, even if it is like a religious leader. So most religions have someone at the Gordwara that you can, like at the Gordwara or the church or the synagogue that can teach about our religion and our history. So whether that's they can go into schools and get the wider message out without it being a very, what's the word, um, dictator way and like extremist way of follow this religion. It's just giving a glimpse of what our religion is and saying that's here for you you can go into it further if you want to but it's your choice but I'm I'm under by the fact that you had a six-week course I swear we had one lesson yeah. <laughs> we were very advanced primary school I tell you no <laughs> <laughs> it goes to show <laughs> yeah but like even I remember did you guys for RE in GCSE was it like a half course or did you do a full course we we did RE just for seven eight and nine and I, I didn't take it for GCSE, so maybe that was... So we were, like, forced to do it. It was mandatory, but you only got half a GCSE. And I was that person, I was like, I don't want half a GCSE, I want a full GCSE, so give me the half. So you could choose any religion you wanted and do an exam on it. That's and pretty good, that. that. Yeah, so a lot of people did Christianity. No, a lot of people did Hinduism. Some people did Islam. And... I was the only one that did Sikhism and it was so bad. It was like, you know, in the exam hall where you have the massive 
rows of just chairs. <laughs> one row of chairs, and I was the only person sat in that row. And everyone was staring at me when I was sat there, and I was like, wow, no, this is it. All I'm saying is, I got 100 fewer mess in that exam, probably because the person marking it saw that my last name was Carl, but we're not going to say that, <laughs> a wider scheme. But it was very much when I was learning the content for that exam, I didn't have a teacher, they didn't give me a, any resources, they gave me one textbook and said, learn this and you'll be fine. But I was very much sat there and I was thinking, you're not teaching me about Sitki, I'm not knowing about the history, I'm not doing anything. This is all on my own accord. And I did kind of hate my, my secondary school for that because I was like, you're not giving me the education that I want and need and pretty much well deserve. So yeah. it, it does also go back to how Britain itself can accommodate the multi-faith faith that we have around us. Yeah, I agree. Um, and also, that, that yeah, yeah, sorry, back to your question as well. I think... If I was talking to future generations, I'd say to them, don't be scared. Don't be scared to show who you really are. Don't be scared of your own identity. There is a balance there. You can find that balance. And it's within your own time and your own path that you'll find that. Don't be scared of what next man's going to say about you and think, oh, I'm going to walk in with two guts today. Is that person going to stare at me? No, don't be thinking that. Be thinking, this is a cool hairstyle. I'm going to rock this. It's just... Do what you want to do to make you happy. Don't be thinking that that person there is going to be thinking about me. Especially now, we've all learned that your own happiness in the past year has come from yourself. It's not come from the people around you. So just, yeah, do what one you makes you feel happy and blessed, really. Yeah. So can we agree that both can exist together? Yeah. Yeah. That No, that is really good because I think... A lot of the time, a lot of people are scared of adopting culture and religion at the same time when, depending on what culture you're from, some cultures will teach, you know, uh, something that we don't actually carry out in Sikki, but it is finding that balance. And, you know, as you guys have discussed, it is possible to do that. Um, but it just takes, it's one of those things that just take time. Like you have to actually look at what is beneficial for you, but also read into Sikki a lot more so that you understand what's beneficial for you, because, a lot of the times the culture that you take on will not be beneficial for you in the long run. Again, like I said, with the alcohol and the drinking, it might take away your pain for um, a little period of time. But then if you look at into Sikki, where it says that the, the pain that you, you know, what you're describing as pain isn't pain, it's actually Guru Sahib's uh, girpa. If you're seeing it from that aspect, you won't have to go down the dark route, you know, being, uh, becoming addicted to alcohol and, and, and drinking and all of these things that are bad for you that you think are making you happy but actually are not doing so but also then looking into Sikhi again and looking at how Guru Sahib's one of Guru Sahib's hukums is to look at you know the different policies of where you live the the laws so that you know that you're not being oppressed it's all of these things that exist within Sikhi that can rule out some of the culture and eventually you will find this common ground in between where you're happy with both because you're not doing too much of one and too much of the other you've just found uh, a common ground definitely yeah and I feel like we have said a lot about the bad things about culture but there is so many positives like just said earlier of like where we wear full guardy and we the family aspect there's beautiful things in our culture if we look for it mm -hmm. um 
and it is quite hard because as humans we are programmed to see the negatives before the positives but if we spend time in it and we look at it and we think okay and we listen to our parents and we listen to our elders even our cousins around us if we listen to them and think and say to them what is it about us that makes us different to those over there they can tell you they'll be able to help guide you in that and you can take from that what you want to take but it is a good method in what you should be in what you could do definitely I think I just like to finish it off by saying that don't be scared to be unique and don't be scared to be individual it's what makes a person a person right um stand up for what you believe in and stand up for being united and being courageous um also don't ever feel that it's too late to teach yourself or to teach other people about religion I've had a lot of people saying that you know you only really learn about your religion when you're young when you're a kid when like your mom forces you to go to you know (laughs) class or something but that is just so far from the truth I feel I have learned most about my religion in the past year you know that was becoming Imperial's president of um Sikh society so don't let an age or a number define you Um, and also remember that you don't have to follow everything in Sikhism to be a Sikh you know Um, I think people are put off by religion in general because they feel that they don't fit into the categories when in reality there is no category and you know one beautiful thing about religion is that we accept people for who they are and we don't want to change them as Alicia touched upon a very important point, which was that um, we will never be dictators and we will never try to dictate and try to tell you that you have to follow one thing. Instead, we'll just show you examples of what is, you know, what what is righteous living, what is, you know, being a, a fulfilled human being in the hopes that you will follow those paths. Um, and finally, acti- activism within the fund is so beneficial, especially during times like these, during the mortuary, you know, we've got to stay vigilant, we've got to stay united, and we've got to preach one message, which is unity, which is um, bringing kind of empowerment to the farmers and by taking back the bills. Yeah, I think all I'd like to say as a final note is, don't be scared of the conversations, because the conversations is how we can progress because otherwise you'll just be stuck in a rut essentially and even those conversations if you feel like I speak to so many of my English friends and say and they are wanting to know about my culture and my religion because realistically you're the only person that can tell them about your own experiences and just take that further with you because the more conversations we have the less of it'll be an elephant in the room the less attention there will be drawn to it because it will become such a normal thing in our lives if we speak about these things. So yeah, that's all I'd really like to say because Jasmine completely summarised it perfectly there for me. You're too kind. Oh, stop it. So I'd like to thank both of you for joining me today. Um, honestly, it was such a beautiful conversation. It's so nice to hear two different takes, but also two very similar takes in some aspects on this topic. Um, as I said, I waited to, to talk to people about this because it's such a touch and go subject, uh, especially as of right now, because of everything that's happening. Um, but I'd like to ask both of you to tell everyone where they can find you and, and what they can get involved with uh, when contacting you. So my Imperial Seek Socks um, hashtag is at Imperial Seek Sock. Um, you can just find a 
collection of inspirational poets you can find our podcasts um, and you can find more about the university but also about the society if you need to reach out then feel free to dm us we'll be more than happy to answer any questions or to get you further involved though my presidency does end in a couple of months which i'm so upset about but next year's committee are equally as amazing and they'll be able to guide you um, for Manchester, it's at Manchester Seek Society on Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook, um, exactly the same. Um, it's pretty much the same as Jas in terms of if you need us, DM us, we're there to lend a hand, have a conversation, we're there just for support. We'll also be doing continued talks. Um, if you are coming to Manchester in the upcoming years, we will be hopefully having physical events with COVID restrictions. Hopefully they will... Um, limit down. Me and Jasneet had to do everything online this year, but that's fine. Um, but hopefully we can get to know you and we're just going to be there as a sense of support in some of the toughest years in your life because that is what university will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much us. Thank you pretty for giving us the opportunity, Benji.